We're about to light up season three of Drifter's Sympathy on Feral Audio. Episode one is called Dawn of Individuation, which rolls the clock back to right when you decide who you want to be and the kinds of early decisions that, for better or worse, completely mold the rest of the shape of your life. Episode two is going to be called Loner Legends, sort of an attempt to define who the underdog really is and their role in history and culture and art. Season three drops on October 23rd. This is Emil Amos. Check out Drifter Sympathy on feralaudio.com. PRA, Public Radio America. You're smarter already. This week on Your Welcome, an epidemic sweeps the nation and it's likely to make your wait at the coffee shop ten times longer, all in the name of some forced friendliness. A new chain restaurant opens in an attempt to remedy the situation, but will that chain further strangle the country like the proverbial jab of the hut? A revolution in school bus technology may jeopardize our kids or drag them kicking and screaming into a glorious future. Can it be both? And BBC affiliate Austin Bronte barges triumphantly back into our broadcast via British Skype. All this plus retractions today on... You're welcome! Welcome to your welcome. I'm Stefan Hyphen-Straitman, and I correct waiters in Mexican restaurants on their pronunciations of menu items. Actually, it's pronounced fiesta. Today's top story, how often does this happen to you? And remember, don't actually answer this question out loud because we won't be able to hear you. You go to your regular coffee shop and see the same barista day in and day out, ordering the same drink time and time again. And one day the barista says your order out loud to you before you even get the chance to say it yourself. What is this strange phenomena? Is the barista a telepath? Is your brain in danger of exploding? No. Or, if so, not from this. You've just become a regular. Don't panic. Becoming a regular at a coffee shop does not mean you've entered a new tax bracket or have to get registered on a national database. But it does come with responsibilities. The time has come for you to introduce yourself. Make eye contact with this person for the first time. Acknowledge them as human. Extend your hand for a handshake. Not too firm! Tell them your name. Listen as they tell you their name, and then instantly forget it. Return to business as usual. This is the way it is supposed to work. But, across America, in coffee shops both corporate and struggling, the system is beginning to break down. Coffee consumers have begun to take this interaction farther and farther. Perhaps it's the caffeine, or the crippling loneliness of the technological era, or the age-old desire for a free scone on the side, or perhaps it's just the prevalent belief within a person that they are inherently interesting and worth getting to know. But whatever the case... Coffee shop regulars have begun pushing their friendships with their baristas to never-before-seen extremes. I work the morning shift at this local coffee place. It's called Common Grounds. <laughs> Pretty clever name, right? Anyway, this guy Frederick comes in every morning and he gets a caramel latte. Well, one day he tells me his name, what he does for a living, all that stuff, right? He tells me his dog's name, Tori Smelling, and I tell him my dog's name, Mott Lauer, and I think... Well, that was nice. But it's been months, and the friendly chats get longer and more involved every morning. He knows my last name now, my mother's maiden name, how I really feel about my sister. 
It's gone too far. The line goes out the door, around the block, and stretches right into a competing coffee shop, which is also named Common Grounds. <laughs> Still a pretty clever name, though, right? Yes, over the course of a single year, average wait times for a cup of coffee have dramatically escalated from one minute to 57.5. These forced pleasantry conversations have exploded from first-name basis to first-name crisis. This middle-aged woman, Barbara, she comes into where I work all the time. It's this cute little place called Starbucks, but she followed me from the old place I used to work, this mom-and-pop shop called Common Grounds. <laughs> Pretty clever name, I guess. I mean, I prefer the name Starbucks because you have to read Moby Dick to get it. Anyway, I don't know why Barbara insists on these long conversations. Maybe she feels obligated or she's trying to be polite or she doesn't want me to think I'm being devalued as a person by just getting her what she orders. But she asks me how my dog is doing and you can tell she doesn't really care. Which sucks because my dog is really interesting. She's on a dating app and she meets lots of other interesting dogs on playdates all the time. But that's neither here nor there. There's a dating site for dogs? Totally. I don't know what it's called though. The name's written in dog. So what is to be done about the issue? A support group has been formed for coffee shop patrons who feel the need to be on chatty, friendly terms with baristas. Here's a brief survey of anonymous confessions from patrons of various coffee shops within the same one-mile radius. B barista? Barista? <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce it. That probably pisses them off. Which is probably why I get weak coffee. It's Kind of like going to a super cool record store. I want them to respect me and my taste. Well, uh, coffee is very important to me, uh, and the human fixing it for me is uh, kind of like a spiritual guide. I don't want to piss them off for fear of being cursed, or do something weird in my coffee. Like urinate. Um, you know, look, I'm just gonna be, I'll be totally honest, I, I just don't want to spend the money. I mean, free stuff, it always tastes better. Meanwhile, in an attempt to fill this niche of talky customers and return wait times to normal at other establishments, a new chain of restaurants has opened called TMI Fridays. It's built to resemble a sit-down family restaurant, and the average wait time at the time of recording clocks in at roughly three hours. Hello, my name is Danny, and I'll be your server today. Now, alcohol killed my father after my parents got divorced, but don't let that dissuade you from our famous Appletinis! Oh, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. My uncle died of cirrhosis of the liver, but it wasn't Appletini's, it was the box wine. Excuse me, Danny. Hi. I'm from one of your other tables. Sorry to bother you. Uh, I know you have social anxiety issues, and you've had a rough week at grad school, but we were wondering, it's been a, like a couple hours now, so when do we order our meals? Oh, uh, we, we don't actually serve food here. Will this prove to contain the phenomena of taking up the barista's time? We'll have to see. But Marvin Harrow of Chicago, Illinois, certainly hopes so. Yeah, um, um, one day, uh, one of my regulars, he'd, he'd uh, tipped me with an invitation to, to a party at his loft. So when I got there, it was all like baristas from the coffee shops that he went to, and, and we all just sort of stood around, and we stared at each other. And at one point, the guy couldn't get his espresso machine to work, so we just all took turns trying to fix it. Yeah, and the next day, I just, I quit. I, w I wouldn't go through that pain again. You know, I feel sorry for all the other baristas I left behind at Common Grounds. 
Even if they do get to work at a coffee shop with a hilarious name. Our thoughts are with the people in line behind these other people. PRA and Your Welcome World News are brought to you by Trips to Ikea. Good luck. Our next story takes us to the cutting edge of transportation innovation in the name of our children and the parents who don't feel like taking them to school. Chartreuse Beljar, our intrepid field reporter, has the story. Hello, Chartreuse. Hi, hi. The school bus is an American staple. For years, it's done everything from getting our children to school to getting them back from school. But can it be improved? Dr. Janet Piedmont thinks so. This time last year, a coworker of mine sent me a YouTube video that I found troubling. The video consisted of security footage on board a school bus. The bus driver pulled the bus over, parked it, and then proceeded to stand up and slap every child on the bus one by one. Needless to say, I was shocked. I mean, it's every parent's only fear that their child will be attacked on their school bus by their school bus driver. You mean it's their worst fear? No, it is the only thing they are afraid of. So I thought if this is happening on this one bus, it must be happening on all of them. Dr. Piedmont decided to take matters into her own hands. Over the course of the next ten months, she developed the world's first self-driving school bus. So with no bus driver, who is actually controlling the bus? That's the beauty of it. The bus runs on state-of-the-art artificial intelligence. Using a series of sensors and an incredibly complex algorithm, the bus is able to properly respond to the specific needs of each individual child. And AI bus is more than just a mere shuttle. It's a luxury experience. For example, if the bus senses that a child is hungry, it will drop a banana on the child's lap. Every possible need a child could have has been accounted for. Wow. That's impressive. What does the bus do if it senses that one of the passengers is having an allergic reaction? I built a computer bus. Janet offered to take me on a ride with her prototype AI bus, which she named Charles. All right, here we are. Say good morning to Charles. You want me to talk to the bus? Go ahead. Uh, all right. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, children. Wow, that is incredible. Whose voice is that? Uh, that's my husband's voice. Oh, well, that's sweet. Are the two of you partners in this endeavor? Oh, no, he was killed by sharks a few years ago. All right, Charles, take us to school. Let's have a beautiful day. And just like that, we were off. As Charles took us through town, I couldn't help but notice how smooth the ride was. I decided to tell Janet just that. Janet? This is a smooth ride. Please, call me Dr. Piedmont. And thank you. Charles is actually the fifth bus we've created. We feel like we've worked out all the kinks with him. So the previous four buses proved problematic? Well, um, with any new technology, you're going to run into some problems. The big problem we had with the first bus was that when it arrived at the school, the program would freeze and the doors wouldn't open to let the children out. Um, let's see. Uh, the second bus was racist against white people. That was interesting. And the third bus, the third bus became too attached to the children. He would often try to attend their birthday parties, usually by crashing into their homes with incredible force and speed. Many of the meaner children at the school would tell the bus that the more unpopular students were having birthday parties every day of the week. 
So, yeah, we've had a few bumps here and there, but I'm sure our story isn't that much different from the story behind Google, and look at them. Oh, what happened with the fourth bus? We don't like to talk about the fourth bus. Halfway through our ride, Charles decided to join the conversation. Well, sharks are just vicious creatures. How are we doing today? Oh, this is one of my favorite things about Charles. He's the first of our prototypes that can actually hold conversations with passengers. Go ahead, ask him something. Um, where are we going, Charles? School. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Ask him something harder. All right. Charles, who was our first president? George Washington. <laughs> okay, Charles. What caused World War II? There were many contributing factors to the breakout of the Second World War. Germany was still reeling from many oh my economic... God, this is incredible. What is God? What's God? What is that? Is every, everything all right? Everything's fine. We're just not supposed to bring that up in front of Charles. It can cause him to have an existential crisis. We need to take his mind off of it. Um, Charles, tell us about the first president. He was Gorge Washington. He had a cherry tree. What is God? We'll discuss that later. Let's just get to school. I answered your question. Now you answer mine. We'll discuss this later. I don't like to be treated like a child. Then don't act like one. You never let me have any fun. Timmy is having a birthday party today and tomorrow and the next day and you won't let me go to any of them. I thought you fixed that problem. Tell that cracker to keep her mouth shut. Charles, she's a guest. Now just take us to school. For the next 20 minutes, I watched Dr. Piedmont argue with Charles. Eventually, I convinced him to pull over and let me out so they could hash things out privately. That's when I witnessed what I presumed happened to the fourth bus. We never made it to school. PRA and Your Welcome are brought to you by The Proust Coffee Shop Reader. Are you tired of reading Proust in public without other people realizing it? This handy device allows you to prop your book up so the title and author are displayed prominently to all the dumb, stupid idiots around you. The Proust Coffee Shop Reader. Give your Proust a boost. And by Bottled Wines of France. Did you just graduate with a liberal arts degree from a state school? Are you tired of drinking wine from a box? Do as the French do. Drink wine from a bottle. Whether you like red or white, ooh la la. France makes both. Now in American sizes. A quick update on the annual book award for books. The YA book Tennis Elbow and Swimmer's Ear by Ren Warble created quite an upset last week by winning not only the YA award but also the Adult Fiction and Nonfiction awards for which it was not even nominated. In protest, several editors of The New Yorker have bitten off their own tongues and mailed them to the judges. A Cat is a Sometimes Friend won the Golden Rumpet for Best Children's Book. Joining us now is BBC correspondent Austin Bronte. Hello, Austin. Good morning, good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning, good morning to you. Good evening, Stephen. Ah, I see you are back from your vacation, uh, sunburned as all get-out and sporting a strikingly British blonde mustache. That's right, Stephen. Bang on the monkey. And tonight on your very welcome to the news, following several months of intense lobbying, it has been declared that Elvis Presley 
will be officially released to the British public on January the 1st of next year. Okay, can you expand on that thought at all for those of us who have not the faintest idea what you are talking about? Well, as I'm sure your listeners are aware, all mentions of Elvis Presley have been suppressed in Britain for the past 50 years. While Elvis was shaking hips and making quips in America, then Prime Minister Harold Macmillan took one listen and deemed the music too raucous for the young Queen Elizabeth's ears. He made all reference to Elvis an act of treason, and it has been considered the ultimate taboo to so much as mention the king, blue suede shoes, or being in a state of shaken up. And now it seems you Brits are ready to give the king another chance. Well, yes, Stephen. Next year, we'll see the release of Elvis's first single, That's All Right, followed the year after by his first full length, simply called Elvis Presley. Once he has been established as the predominant sound of youthful rock and roll, Elvis is expected to join the British Army for a time before returning with his triumphant 2023 comeback special. Well, we are all big Elvis fans here at PRA. Delighted to know the Brits will finally get to enjoy the highs and lows of the fun-loving, undisputed king of rock and roll. Us too. Long live the king. Uh, I do hate to break it to you, uh, but spoiler alert, uh, the end of Elvis is uh, kind of sad. No, no, no spoilers, thank you, Stephen. We're just looking forward to finding out the proper tune to... We cannot get on together with a suspicious mind. Us too, Austin. Us too. Now, what other news from over there in British England? It says here that Sir Spillalot, Something, 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 something? Yes, that's right, Stephen. The origin of a popular tradition has been discovered. You may have heard of the spillers? I may not have. I have not. Well, have you ever had occasion to be sitting enjoying a quiet pint in a rural English pub? No. And did you perchance notice a nefarious group of fellows dressed in yellow, carrying a crooked stick and going by the name of Samantha? No, no, I have never been to England. Well, those chaps you saw are known as the Spillers. They have a royal charter to spill other people's drinks with impunity and immunity from the law. The origins of these curiously clumsy pickles has been lost, until a historian at an Oxbridge college recently uncovered a curious truth. There was an Arthurian knight of old whose name has been revealed as Sir Spillalot. He was notorious for spilling drinks all over the round table, and he gave his name to the much-loathed group of miscreants, the Spillers. Well, well, another piece in the thoroughly confusing jigsaw puzzle of England folklore. Tell me, Austin, does this revelation shed any light on the purpose of this strange tr tradition? Not in the jolliest. As the old saying goes, Spiller we may and spiller we mayn't, he who spills most is covered in paint. That's a very old saying indeed, and old means true. 
Uh, thank you, Austin. As always, we will have to take your word for it. That almost wraps up your Welcome World news. But first, we're right all the time, except for when we aren't. So here are retractions from last week's show. There are 9,317 ways to leave your lover, as opposed to the previously reported 50. Hard work has actually hurt many people and killed almost as many. The letter X was not included in the alphabet as a dare. The instrument a judge uses to return order to a courtroom is called a gavel and not a judge pump. A quick update on the ongoing Public Radio America fundraiser. We're up to 1.9% of our goal. At the $10 level, Chartreuse Belljar will hand-deliver her rap demo to your doorstep. For $15, we can guarantee that won't happen. Thanks for listening, or at least having us on in the background while you drive. And special thanks, as always, to research assistants Eric Stoles, Madeline Wager, Jeremy Simon, and Levi Petrie, along with interns Stacy Ruemaker, Alicia Keetry, and Chris Stevens, and in-studio bus driver Zane Grant. I'm Stefan hyphen saying... We're right all the time, so you don't have to. Thank you, and you're welcome. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.